John, which part that you fell asleep to is your favorite? Oh my god, what have I done? Eggs Benedict Cumberbatch. Who the fuck is singing? Yeah, again, I don't know why I'm defending any of this. Okay, so I was right. Suck it, Zach. Love I it. will I fucking end you. <laughs> oh no, and this is the crazy thing about balls. Like, the more... The more <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Middle of the Row, the podcast, episode 29. This week, we made a last-minute audible that you didn't hear on last week's podcast and decided to review Pacific Rim Uprising because Ben really wanted to see it. Yeah, dude. John, what did John feel about it? Um, It felt weird that we weren't seeing it, I guess. And Lauren didn't want to do the other thing that we're going to do later. Though, if you follow film Twitter, would have been very appropriate for this week, which is going to be an MCU bracket that we're going to do down the line that's going to release closer to Infinity War. But we decided to do Pacific Rim Uprising. It's a sequel to Guillermo del Toro's last movie before he did Shape of Water, and now he's an Oscar winner. Pacific Rim Uprising will be forever known as the movie that finally defeated Black Panther at number one at the box office. So before we get into Uprising, let's talk about the original Pacific Rim. I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I thought Charlie Hunnam was terrible in it, pretty much. I found, especially after watching this new one, the the first one is almost a little too self-serious. I mean, for especially for what it is, that's more in hindsight, I think. But the, the, the movie is, there's not, we were talking about it before the podcast. There's only really three action scenes in the first Pacific Rim. One of which is like 25 minutes long in the middle of the movie. But it's an amazing action sequence. Like, it is. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think I might have picked it to be my favorite scene of the year, actually, when it came out. But outside that, I had a lot of issues with the movie, especially Mako Mori being pretty much sidelined. I, I, she just felt underserved. She was essentially there just to play off of Hunnam, yeah. As opposed to like being an actually interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can get into that more later as well. But um, that's what I I enjoyed Pacific Rim. I was happy to see the new one, but I, the the differences between the two I think are really kind of interesting. And um, but before we talk about that, what are your guys' thoughts on the OG Pacific Rim? I I love the original Pacific Rim. I think it's uh, it's one of my favorite action movies ever. It's just a a dumb popcorn flick you know just crazy action uh some serious b-movie kind of dialogue and characters but i remember seeing it opening night and it was just one of these things it it, it captures that feeling when i was a kid i would watch like gundam uh in uh on i think it was toonami and it was one of these it was like an action series with the giant robots and yeah, that had a better story, to be honest. It had, like, actually a really, really strong story. But I didn't care. I, I came to see the giant robots kick the shit out of each other. So going into Pacific Rim and seeing that, I mean, it kind of 
threw story to the side and was just like, you want robots, you're going to get robots. And I love that. I kind of, I'm amazed that it took this long to get a giant, you know, giant robot fighting movie going. And I hope that uh, this is a series that continues for a long time and inspires others, hopefully. Um, I think the fact that Pacific Rim got made, period, is is a pretty big miracle. Especially after Del Toro hadn't really had any huge success with his bigger blockbuster efforts in the Hellboy films. Yeah, it's like he just doesn't make money, which is sad. But he will now, because he won an Oscar, so... That doesn't mean anything. Well, uh, I don't know. Wait, okay, hold on. Are we, like... Is the financial success of Guillermo del Toro, is that really a thing? Or the financial insuccess prior to The Shape of Water? Because, like, he did Pan's Labyrinth, which was weird as all get out. I so No, I'm he worried, was always considered but, a very good filmmaker. No one was yeah, doubting was, his his bona fides as a filmmaker. I'm just saying success, like the fact that someone sunk $200 million into an original property... It, I, I can't believe it happened. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I wish we would take more chances on original properties like this, but it, it's still kind of crazy that it that, that it happened. Okay, gotcha. I'm not complaining. I mean, I wish his... I love Hellboy. Oh, both the of Hellboys Army. are fantastic. I mean, I, I enjoy <sighs> most of his stuff, but... Um, I mean, I was just commenting that the fact that he got to make this movie was insane. John, your thoughts on the movie, original movie. I remember when this came out. I was in college. Uh, one of my biggest cultural influences at the time. When this movie got announced, he was super stoked on it, and I was like, "I don't get it, dude. Why? <laughs> why are you excited for this movie? It's big robots and big monsters." And he was like, "That's exactly why I'm excited for this movie." I'm like, "Okay, fine. Like maybe, but like I, like you're gonna have to take a lot to take." Uh, non-original concepts such as big monsters and big robots fighting each other and make it seem unique and original and compelling. Since it does take so much influence from like Gundam and all those other kinds of uh, like Japanese anime and like even like Power Rangers or Voltron or that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, I didn't see it until recently this year, uh, maybe about a couple months ago. And... I kind of got what he was saying. I was like, okay, I can dig it. This is a movie that's extremely self-aware and gets what it's about um, and is about giant monsters versus giant robots. And I think the universe that they created around that and the story behind that was super original. And I really appreciated that. And I thought that was cool. I thought the character sucked ass. And (laughs) there wasn't... There wasn't a lot like Zach mentioned this earlier, and it's exactly right. Charlie Hunnam did not do a very good job. Um, I think I at least they they sort of held my attention throughout the movie, but then at the very end, I was just like, I have no strong feelings about these characters whatsoever, and maybe that's maybe that's actually worse than feeling like I didn't like them. Um, I will say the one exceptions were uh, what is uh, what's her name. What's the actress's Rinko name? Rinko Kakuchi. She was awesome. Uh, Idris Elba. I was going to say Idris Elba, yeah. But uh, they, as it's... There's a lot of generic white... There's a lot of sh- shitty generic white guys in that movie. Fair enough. Well, and it's it's just unfortunate. Like, Idris Elba and uh, Rinko, they, 
they're not the main character technically um but they have such powerful and prominent supporting roles but it's still not enough to sort of well like you were saying zach cancel out charlie hunman's uh, performance or character which is why like when he wasn't in the sequel spoiler alert i was like well that's actually pretty good i appreciate that <laughs> i think that's a good place to start um a couple things i was going to say to like the whole b movie i feel like pacific rim uprising knows tapped into it yeah like i think it knows so what to more. do with it more than the first one did and the first one definitely knows it, it's happy that it is this monster versus robot movie but again i mentioned like it taking it maybe takes itself does it take itself a little bit too seriously like like i didn't find the dialogue to be outside the famous cancel the apocalypse line i didn't find the dialogue to be that like fun or no but it's like it was it was b movie isn't just like kind of weak not as in comical but just kind of not not very good the the spectacle (laughs) of the dialogue like zach like zach was saying outside of the uh tonight we can't or today we cancel the apocalypse the spectacle of the dialogue did not match the spectacle of the premise and I think they there is like this assumption, or maybe this, maybe not, may, it, maybe it wasn't intentional. Um, but what I found was, for as campy of an idea as this was, the campiness of the dialogue did not fit and took away from it. Like it was maybe this misconstrued notion that like, oh, we can get away with really campy dialogue because this is such a campy presence. But it wasn't even just campy dialogue; it was just bad dialogue. Like it was just. I don't I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't nuanced enough maybe. Like the whole thing between Charlie Hunnam's character and the other dude and like how they were at odds the entire time. That guy whose whole shtick was just shitbag. Yeah, like it was and the, and they were there was that like intense like fight sequence at one point between the two of them. It was like okay, what's like what really is the purpose of this except for having this like tension of like hey he's the new guy in or not i guess not the new guy but he's like the outcast of the group and he's been rejected by like the diehard or the stalwart or like the pro the prodigal son who's been there from the beginning and he's kind of got to prove his own again sort of thing like it just didn't end up working i got what they were doing it just didn't end up working yeah the internal I thought that's where Uprising was going to go with all these kids. Was it going to? I thought it was going to be like Top Gun, with with Jaegers for <laughs> five minutes, which I think would have been a fun premise for the movie. But w- there was one other thing that I, Del Toro does some fantastic world building, as John mentioned in Pacific Rim. Like, there's just endless little great details in that movie that I get. He did a great job at building that world out. That is one of the strongest qualities of Pacific Rim. And this movie does not focus on that nearly as much. Maybe not really at all, even. Outside uh, a couple scenes with the with with the scientists. It just gives you the bare bones of it. It's like, here's everything you need to know. Which I think on. it benefits. Pacific Rim 
going to the lengths to build this world benefits Uprising's shagginess to be able to just be like, we're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you and just keep things fun and moving along. And the movie flies by. And unlike the first movie, it has an incredible lead performance, I think, in John Boyega. Who All the swagger. Is just All of it. having so much fun and his charisma just leaps off the screen. And didn't he, he didn't he produce this movie too? I think like, he did actually. You're correct. <laughs> so you, like you can tell he really wanted to be a part of it. And he, I mean he's he's a blast to watch. And I I know Ben is in agreement with me. But John, did he do it for you? This did you care about him or did you at least were you entertained by him? I like I. It's hard for me to tell whether or not I'm biased because. Uh, one I know him from The Last Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens, which I loved, and I've only seen a little bit of, uh, shoot, what is it? Detroit. No, what's the uh, attack what's the, the, the motorcycle? Attack the block. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Charlie Hunnam now. Oh. What's the Sons what's the motorcycle show? San. I've only yes, thank you. I've only seen some of Sons of Anarchy. Have you seen Attack the Block? By the way, I have not seen it. Right. That's oh, John good. Boy. John Boyega's. Th- this is his best stuff since that movie i think okay um but so should, i've got it you should watch that one that one's on voodoo it's like a small little horror movie set in a one tower where the aliens come down and john boyga and his little wimpy street gang buddies have to fight back against the aliens it's it's, it's a great, great movie okay I'll, I'll definitely check that sounds awesome i'll definitely check it out probably tonight even but so i just have a natural inclination or like liking to John Boyega, blah, Boyega, but he essentially played the same character as Charlie Hunnam. He was kind I, of I agree. Inside he has the culture. exact same art. I totally agree. But he's entertaining to watch. <laughs> oh no! But I I was so much more compelled uh, this time around. I I think if anything, the only thing that I think took away from his performance was I don't think he had a good counter in. A uh, random square-jawed white guy. Hey, that's, that's Clint Eastwood's um, son, man. Oh, is that Scott Eastwood? Yeah. Oh, crazy. So oh, random I... square-jawed white guy who's the son of a like famous actor. Now, 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 granted, I think I think Scott Eastwood. Like, I don't know how they shot this movie. If it was like pretty linear or what, but I feel like he like loosened up and like was taking on. I mean, he was still pretty generic throughout, but he yeah. you could tell he couldn't not vibe off of Boyega just ex- his charisma was just infectious everywhere I think yeah like even he, I don't think he was supposed to like have that small amount of enjoyment being around his character in the beginning but he totally did it's just like you can't not like Boyega yeah I also like movie. how they subverted like <laughs> they they quickly got rid of like oh we're gonna hate each other this whole movie over that that dessert scene, they were, they were like, "Yep, yeah, we're gonna bust each other's balls a little bit, but you know, we're in, we're not gonna be assholes <laughs> to each other." And also, John Boyega with those sprinkles was really damn funny. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, yeah. So it was one of the things that kept going through my mind, and I I knew I recognized him from something. I I could, like I've only seen Suicide Squad, I think, for uh, Scott Eastwood, but I thought he was fine. Is in he that. in that movie? Um, Wait, he was in Suicide Squad? I don't think he's yeah. in that. Yeah, he is. 
I'm, oh, I'm he is. He's, is one he of, one of, he's like is he's, he's one a small mercenaries. Yeah, he's a smaller mercenary role. Um, but uh, so he's like generic white guy five again. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> But then at the same time, I'm getting off this huge vibe of the dude from Starship Troopers, uh, whatever his name is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Casper um, Van Dien. Yes. And I'm just like, that guy's a douchebag, and I can't deal with this now. And I, I just couldn't handle it. And it, I was just like, I this isn't working for me. Before before we get into spoilers, um, we've dabbled just a bit. Uh, I Also, let's give a couple. We, we haven't talked about the the reason people go to see these movies. Um, well, we, we only talked about how we felt about the first one. We didn't give our, our impressions of the second one. Just, oh yeah. Just... I, I slowly transitioned into, that's right. I just mentioned Boyega being great. Um, all right. Before we jump off that, I also think Kaylee Spaney, who is basically the second lead of the movie. Um, she's a young girl. She plays one of those top gun recruit kids. Um, I felt she got a little underserved based on the way they set her up, but I thought she was really good as well. Like, she had just as much energy and charisma as Boega did, and I was kind of bummed, actually, she kind of got sidelined for the middle of the movie. But I really liked her as well. Does anybody want to give the cast any more shout-outs? I will say, I did appreciate that they tried to go for, like, a super diverse cast. Yes. Um, I love that all the... And a young cast, too. Like, I love that save for the one russian actress um or russian character um i couldn't recognize any of those young actors um i love that uh both asian actors got a really kind of prominent secondary roles uh kind of pissed the brown one died first um spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler um i thought i thought it was cool and i thought uh that kid was good though he was funny yeah, I thought like, and that's one thing that I'm really appreciating is that when they're giving, uh, they've been giving more South Asian actors more of these comedic roles to say like, hey, and not just in a sense of like, oh, hey, we're gonna make fun of your like, we're gonna make fun or make light of your fish out of waterness in terms of like brown culture in the midst of Western civilization, but like actually, no, we can have South Asian actors who are fully immersed in our culture. Who are just goofy, natural Chandler-like characters because that's who they are, and uh, I yeah I like that. I want to just briefly mention uh, Charlie Day. What they did with him was so great. Uh, I don't think it was totally him. I just I think the way the way his his character acted in this was amazing, and I love. I think Charlie Day did serve that really well. I absolutely loved him in this movie i think i one thing i should have come back to is him and uh the other scientist character shoot what's his name uh who's that actor burn gorman burn gorman i think yeah they were also an extremely enjoyable part of the first one and still so for the second one i would Uh, i would argue they were the most enjoyable characters in the first movie by a lens i would do what do what i would i would not fight you on that i would not put back (laughs) against that no Um, mako mori and edra selva were both i like both of them in the first no they were great but they didn't like they didn't have that play off each other as much as the doctors did i i still say it's kind of weird that charlie day has like made a career out of just being himself or being like <laughs> an extension of his character from it's always sunny in philadelphia which might just mean like 
this guy's probably like Mensa level genius because he's tricked all of Hollywood into letting him be the same person every time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. Okay, cast. All right, so let's talk about the action a little bit, uh, non spoilery. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I was also really surprised about how it went. Um, this isn't a spoiler. It's not too big a spoiler, but we don't see a kaiju until the final battle of the movie, actually, which I was really surprised with. But that said, I thought the action was actually really well done in this movie. It was also very easy to see as it was all in bright, broad daylight, uh, which was... Yeah, it was like either in bright daylight or it had like floodlights and glowing blue stuff. So yeah, it worked really well. Um, and I think the effects were not quite as rich and detailed as the first film but it did not look bad by any means and i think while that none of the action in this movie tops the battle of hong kong harbor or beijing what was it hong kong harbor beijing harbor in the original pacific rim uh it's all really solid and a lot of fun and comes up with some fun new ideas with with having giant robots first monsters at least i thought um i think ben agrees with me yes very much so but john what did you think um i think maybe it's a cop-out that like they went from the if if we can allow an adaptation or an alternative to the typical uh archetypical uh conflicts that we know from literature there's a man versus man Man versus nature and man versus self. Those are like the three. I went to, I went to school, guys. Um, the first one of these movies, Pacific Rim. You was, forgot man versus kaiju. The, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. So the first, the, so Pacific Rim like changes it to robot versus kaiju. It was just like, oh, that's. I mean, that's the premise that they're going for. But whatever, if that's what they're going for, cool. So I don't know if it's a cop out that they make the second one kind of robot versus robot and then you're like oh shit the robots are fighting each other what like i don't know if that's kind of like a cop-out but then the twist or the spoiler in there that it's no it's really just robot versus kaiju again on like another level i think that was actually kind of cool and kind of clever and uh yeah i think they did a good job of mixing up like they could have very easily been like oh there's a new rift guys and that's what people are coming through. Yeah, I and but but I like how the, the the movie actually goes to some cool places to explain how this all works and how the kaiju play out and everything. And uh, I really I really appreciated that. Um, I mean, it was all the scripting is very all over the place. And like I said, or at the beginning, it's just like throwing the kitchen sink at you. But a lot of the stuff sticks i think well i the one thing i will say is i think the antarctica scene was it felt kind of flat except for setting up a fight where we discover what's really going on mm -hmm. um i did like that fight i'm not gonna oh, I, yeah I, I i like the fight but i like like why why did maiko know or t know about antarctica and tell them to go to antarctica and then how did that all, like, and maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention, but I kind of lost the connection between the dots at that point. I think she was and just then, able to get the signature from Sydney. 
I don't think she knew until... She, she, she didn't know exactly what was going on. Yeah. She just kind of had the, the breadcrumb trail. Okay, before... We're starting... Okay. We're, we're dancing around spoilers. Yeah. F- final thoughts. Uh, it was overall, I think, maybe with a stronger cast or, like, a lot more to do with the cast or maybe embracing the crazy. Like, a lot more enjoyable than the first one. Um, it's And I'm actually kind of excited with where they may potentially go with a sequel. I agree. Um... The, the the cast is underserved, but I think they had a, f- a few really charismatic people at the front of this movie. I enjoyed all the action. I had a lot of fun. It was messy, but a fun mess, and I would gladly watch it again. I absolutely loved it. Slightly less so than the first, just because I think they both have the same kind of level of dumb fun, but I did really, really, really really appreciate the world building that was set up in the first one and it was kind of it, it, it did it could have done more of that in uprising but that's my only real qualm about the movie itself i this might be one of my favorite movies this year just the sheer stupid fun it was um okay with that let's get into spoilers so spoilers sure spoilers 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 Spoilers. <laughs> so spoilers. Um, Charlie Day is my favorite supervillain from a Saturday morning cartoon. I love it. He's just, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I, he, he was he was good. He don't get me wrong. He was entertaining and totally played into the part. Um, the psychic blowjob scene was something else. <laughs> Why's it gotta be a blowjob? Why, like, why are you making it sexual? Like, did anyone? Because like, it was sexual. I mean, it was. was it, it was kind of heavily implied that that's the relationship he had. He was didn't getting he some it? sort of gratification from yeah, it. Didn't he say it was his wife or whatever? Like he mentioned. He said it, it was his, his girlfriend. Wife. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah, like. <laughs> and as we established, yeah. that is the brain of a baby kaiju. Well, he told. He even told yeah. the other doctor, "It's like, oh, you should come by and meet her." And I'm like, "What would you have? What would you have done if he had said yes?" <laughs> like, how? Would well, that he have... probably thought it would have been cool. Now, what's interesting <laughs> to <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about this so much is that <laughs> is the precursors the reason he is attracted to that, or is he just attracted to it? I think it's. Probably both. There's there's some kind of mind control yeah. going on where I think Did they show the precursors uh, in the first movie? Yeah, they even So those flashbacks no, those flashbacks in the beginning of the movie of of Uprising, those are shots from the first movie. Okay. So the, Oh are they, they? did show I recognize the aliens okay. look just like the Independence Day aliens. They do. <laughs> I, I enjoy Charlie Day. He had a fun part, but I also think I, I would have rather like I was saying in the non-spoiler section, I rather would have gotten to know um, uh, Amara Namani. What kind of name is that for a white girl from Florida or California, by the way? <laughs> then hang out with him as much as we did. I get he's a giant plot point. Um, well, I but feel I think like I, I could have done with one one less scene with him, maybe. I don't know. One or two. I, I think we could have done one less with Bo Yega. As much as I loved him, he... No, every time Boyega leaves the film, it, it dies a little, and I, I, I would have, I, I would have preferred I, to have him in every scene. To be honest with you, well, I just, I feel like 
the scenes Charlie Day had were great. I wouldn't change any of that. I think I would have loved to, to get to know the recruit Jaeger pilots a little bit more. Yes. But I mean, this is again, this is like every time I mentioned something character wise, I can, I realize that more often, like they would have probably spent more time on character and less time on robots. And that's just math. I'm not okay with. I want more robots, so I'm fine with how that was. Yeah, but all the payoff with the recruits just felt flat at the end. Like, in the camaraderie, I think just an extra scene or two devoted to that that crew could have really made a big difference in the finale, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, made I, it a little bit more than just dumb spectacle. I mean, but, I'm okay with dumb spectacle to be honest. Like, I, I like dumb spectacle too, especially <laughs> when it's well done, but I like, I would enjoy it more if I cared a little bit more about more than two characters. Oh, also that kaiju that has like the, that absorbed the, uh, the physical inertia and just threw it back. That was so cool. We need more kaiju. If we, if we do Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim 3, we need more kaiju with weird powers like that. That was so cool. Let's talk about Mako Mori and how she got short shrifted again in this yeah, movie. That really like, made me Like, how sad. the fuck do you just kill her like that? A. Two, how the fuck do you not let her get in another Jaeger and beat the shit out of. Like, why doesn't she die in a Jaeger fighting somebody? It doesn't have to be a kaiju, it could have been one of these robots that came you know, the, the drone robot things, but I was really disappointed. I thought they were going to use like the big thing that came out of Pacific Rim was Mako Mori did not get enough to do, didn't get enough agency, enough personality. And then she just basically is like an authority figure for three scenes and dies. And I was I was very disappointed by that. Yeah, It's a mistake they'll never rectify, unfortunately. I mean, I get you know, uh, the character of Luen Xiao, the Chinese uh, woman who she gets a big role in the finale. And I, I appreciate that. And that's very much for the Chinese audience. But um, yeah, I was bummed that make I was I was one of the things I was looking forward to this movie is what they did with her Mako. And I was really, really bummed. Mako. Well, it's it's tough because it's kind of that sense of it's reminiscent of the Last Jedi in the sense that uh, there's this character that we've grown familiar with. You can say Mako, or you can say a uh, Mako's character, excuse me, or you can say Princess Leia, and they're very pivotal, I think, for the introductory time when they're there. So I love the moments between her and John Boyega because you you're starting to get a sense of this relationship where previously her relationship to John Boyega's father was really tenuous and she was really nervous. And now that he's gone and they've got this familial type of brother, sister, brother, sister relationship, she's like in control. I, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. It, I believe that was cool. I believe their brother, sister relationship. And then they kind of stepped away to let, like you said, uh, what's that actress's name? Chien Zhang. She steps in and we, we try to get to know her as a character, and she's great, and she holds her own. Whereas in The Last Jedi, that's what they kind of did with Laura Dern's character, but then they introduced Princess Leia back at the end, and so it's all good. In this case, no, Mako's just dead. 
which is sad. But it's also the pivotal like point for John Boyega's character to come back in and be like, okay, now I'm fully committed because you just fucking killed my stepsister and so or half sister or whatever. So heads are gonna roll. So it's that was one of probably the most prominent like emotional moments for me when she was killed. I think it was an effective scene. I, the scene was effective. It just should have been um, done way later, and maybe she could have gone out in a better way. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, it was ma- the yeah, scene was well perhaps. done. She just died too early, and I, pre- I would have preferred her dying in a Jaeger, or at least um, like something weaponized, like she I th- fights somehow. I thought they. I thought it was also also another. I thought the scene was well done, but uh, Amara having the exact same family killed death scene as a little more gratuitous. <laughs> than Mako's in the first one, but, uh... Mako. It's Mako, guys. I don't... It is it? Mako Mori. Yeah, it was like, guys, you and Lara, Lara, Mako, Mako. Hey, I can say Lara. <laughs> Wait, Zach, how do you say it? No idea. Um... <laughs> Larry? <laughs> Larry. What if we... Larry Croft, Laura Croft, like obese, Man, where, not his impressive stepbrother. Where's Lauren coming when we need her for this? Larry Croft, starring Danny McBride. Um, I'd watch it. But yeah, her just having like that flashback scene was uh, it, again uh, like the like Boyega going through the exact same kind of plot as Charlie Hunnam in the first one. Her story was a little too familiar too, even if the scene was well done. I think another just minor little complaint and like of course you could saw the the drones being the problem as well like when corporations man yeah even though they backed down from that pretty quickly yeah again i i you kind of saw where all the pieces were going i think i i don't really care but i think there could have been a few more surprises in the plot potentially well i was i mean to be honest like the, the, the Charlie Day one was still pretty. Yeah, like that was enough for me. I was like, oh shit, he's a bad guy. That's awesome. And then he's like the mad scientist, like cackling at his own creation. <laughs> I love that so much. What, how is he? He was just, he was like that mad scientist on the. Or you're just making I'm fun making of fun laugh. of you. Yeah, I just wanted you to make the. Whatever. I just wanted you to make that laughing sound again. You what, could put that. You could love... put that in the intro to our podcast. That could be. Uh, <laughs> that could be one of our soundbites i do also love for the sake of continuity that they make his actions in the first movie have consequences in the second yeah that was well done like these are two separate things it is like because you're when you see him and uh i forgot his name burn gorman yeah when you see them in the first movie it first drift with the kaiju brain they're so tenuous and like what's gonna happen and it happens to work out but then they come back to it in this movie, and he casually mentions, like, when they're reconnecting, like, I still have nightmares or whatever, and Charlie Day just kind of, like, brushes it back. But he brushes it back because, oh, he's been affected in a different way where he's, like, succumbed to the pressure yeah. and succumbed to the mind control. And so I the, – that – this consistent storytelling to the original I did really appreciate. I think it's also kind of cool how, like, they have a really strong bond because of, like, they necessarily haven't been working together for the past 10 years, but they drifted together. So they have, like, they're really, they know each other, which I thought was really cool. 
I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't point out that like some of the things that I thought were maybe a little bit weaker. Again, Scott Eastman, I went back and forth between loving him and his chiseled jaw and also <laughs> being like, uh, go star in a Starship Troopers like sequel. Do you do you have a problem with Starship Troopers? I just I I haven't seen it in forever. What? And I recognize that satire. But at the same time, I just hate that actor. I don't know what else he's in. I just think he looks like a douchebag. So aside aside from him, which again, Scott Eastman, like you're still like you're great, you're awesome. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, the whole thing with the rocket boosters, I mean, are, are like conflict or tension for the sake of conflict or tension, like not the strongest writing. Um, but yeah, that seemed kind of like a oh hey, we need to create an obstacle for them. Let's create this obstacle. Yeah, okay, I mean, what's our I mean, as soon as they mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's going to happen at the end of the movie. I mean, it's just one of those yeah. things, you know? Yeah. I was glad they killed some of the kids. Like, they... <laughs> did, did you they... want to phrase that differently? No. Um, I didn't know <laughs> if they would have the balls to do hey, it or not. They only killed one kid, and it was the brown one. No, that's right. They only got I'm one. I'm pissed. That's true. Why has it always got to be the brown one? I, I also enjoyed how they just kind of got outmatched pretty easily once it turned into uh, Mega Kaiju, and like there's like nothing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was some that was clever and well conceived. Uh, the the little shredder things that like tore them apart. I thought it would have been interesting if they showed a little bit more pain in the Kaiju. Like the Kaijus were like, "What the fuck?" and getting torn apart. Well, I thought it was interesting that I had this moment when I honestly didn't know how it was going to resolve. And it was one of those things where it's just like, yes, this movie's going to happy ending. Yes, eventually they're going to like somehow defeat this giant monster. How are they going to do it? I actually have no idea. I'm excited to see what they do. And then there was the whole like, hey, let's just like shoot out into space and then drop down from space and like crash into the thing. Uh, that was kind of cool. I love I love how there's that split second where you think they missed it and then it just pans out and it's been like cut in half. That was awesome. Yeah, I didn't get how it got cut in half, but um <laughs> Reentry, man, you're going super fast. Well, and also another good future connection to the fact when John Boyega says in the after credits or post credits or whatever, like we're bringing the fight to you because now it's like, oh shit, robots in space fighting giant monsters. So it's just another level of like dumb intensity that like ups the ante of the of the movie. Yeah, I'd watch that movie, John. You came off more positive than I thought you'd be about this movie. Yeah, I think, like, I am, in retrospect, I'm being like, wow, I actually had a lot of good things to say about this movie, and I, I came out of it being like, okay, I guess I just saw, like, I came out of the theater being like, okay, I guess I just saw that movie, but then, th yeah, there's there's a lot to love in this one, honestly. Do we think Lauren would have liked this one more than the other one? I th I think so. I, I don't think she would have to be honest because I think it's I think it's dumber, and I think that was like I mean I, do you remember like she was texting us the other the last the last couple nights saying like you know 
like questioning the drifting thing. It's like if that's if that's a leap of logic that's too far. I mean, I feel like there are so many dumb things that happen in Uprising that. You know, yeah, this movie doesn't even care about drifting, really. Like it was like, yeah, that's a thing, and yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, but uh-huh. it's, but it also just has a lot of other dumb stuff that just kind of like it has like these head head scratching questions that I think Lauren wouldn't ignore because she's more critical. Not that's not a criticism. I think that's that's just her the way she watches it. Yeah, I think I so I saw this with someone who had never seen the original and afterwards they were like what was with that whole thing of them like sharing memories and stuff like that and i was like oh yeah they made a big deal about that in the first one i'm yeah. just now remembering the Jaeger almost blew up uh, the battle station <laughs> yeah uh not so much a, a concern here obviously yeah they only use it to show her memory really and that's about it i like how they had that that brain just sitting there like the one you could like pilot with just to oh that was out. that was yeah that was some clever bit of world building but it's also like is that is that brain alive so is it just yeah. like thinking while it's there just pump some electricity into it and it'll be fine it's kind of awful like it's just sitting there lonely the brain's just screaming at all times once you drift with it i, I have must i have no mouth but i must scream <laughs> well when you drift with it you can hear it okay I guess that's going to do it for Pacific Rim. Uprising. <laughs> um, my wife's being a creeper. She was just staring at Amy! me. What, what did Amy think of Pacific Rim? She actually saw it and thought it was not good movie, but she was entertained enough for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> she just not. She just she she kind of disagreed with my statement. But I heard her laughing at John Boega throughout the movie. Uh. <laughs> but how could you not? Yeah, that's um, man. That guy is all the last movie. The next, the next movie should just turn John Boyega into a Jaeger and let him fight everybody. <laughs> or they could go like the Ultraman route, where he's just fucking giant. <laughs> it's literally just Boyega. Yeah, that's what I mean. John Boyega, Jaeger oh. version. Um. <laughs> so next week we are doing a double feature. Depending on how the conversation goes, it might end up being a bonus pod and then a regular review. But the new release that we're going to be watching is Ready Player One, the new film from Steven Spielberg, based on the book by Ernest Cline. Uh, I'm very excited for it because Steven Spielberg is our greatest living filmmaker, probably. Yeah, you get hype for Spielberg movies. And, and all that nostalgia. And I'm I'm not looking forward to the nostalgia, but uh, what? I'm looking. That is the reason I stopped reading the book. <laughs> All the nostalgia. <sighs> not a not a nostalgia guy here. I don't think that'll be an interesting conversation. I think around that movie, but we're also pairing it with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Uh, my pick for a flashback to 2008, and. What I think, contrary to most people, is a pretty damn good Indiana Jones movie outside one scene. And uh, I think Ben is going to vehemently fight me throughout the <laughs> the podcast about that. I think I'll uh, probably run out of energy pretty quickly. And then we'll uh, see what Lauren and John have to think about that when we get to it. But uh, yeah, those are the movies you should watch to listen to the podcast next week. But, uh, yeah. 
double dose of Spielberg. What could more could you ask for? Uh, until next week, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com, where you can find some reviews and writings, and you can listen to the podcast. You can do it all there. And uh, you can find me at Zach Oldenburg, wherever at Zach Oldenburg is a thing. I'm Ben Grigsby. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at, at the Grigsby Bear, and you can also follow all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where you get updates when we post movie reviews or TV show reviews or book reviews or music reviews. Um, and you also get updates when we post podcast episodes. And that is at Middle of Row hashtag Know the. Uh, and I'm not Lauren Heimball, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Go see Pacific Rim Uprising. It's a good time. And uh, watch those Spielberg movies to get ready for next week. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. <laughs>